Hey, party people. Thanks for downloading our podcast, This House of Cards. Here's our review for chapters 24 and 25 of season 2 of House of Cards. Lots of people getting it on in this part of the story. And everyone is jockeyed into place for Frank's final lunge for power. Don't forget, we're on Facebook and iTunes. Cards podcast, an unofficial podcast about the Netflix and show House of Cards. I'm your host, Tyler Moss, here with my co-host, Chris Houston. What? Threesome? <laughs> what? We gotta we've get got that all out right off the bag right now. We've gotta get off of our chest or on our chest or something. I don't know. Let's not even talk. Okay, too far. <laughs> but we'll have <laughs> plenty of fun stuff to talk about. Can't wait to start digging in. Of course, we are What an episode. Chapters 24 and 25 tonight. Um, so if you're not on 26, I think I'm the only one who probably is not on 26 yet. Then, right. uh, of course, we'll let you know when we're switching to 25. But, yep, yeah, we have – we're going to cover our, the last uh, three episodes between tonight and our next podcast. So we'll do 24 and 25, and then we'll have one more where we do probably an hour long on the finale. Wrapping it so, all up. Oh, it always happens so fast, although we did kind of draw it out to make it – more interesting um we apologize for milking it for all it's worth but hey we like the discussion so anyway before we dig into anything too much um what are you drinking tonight chris i have a schlafly apa that's america pale american pale elf brewed uh, right over here in st louis what are you drinking oh, i was gonna say yeah that's local to you or not too far away um, right i'm just drinking some four roses bourbon oh just i love little, four roses just a little touch nightcap just Neat on the rocks, uh, with a couple of whiskey stones. So look at how classy I am. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's awesome. Not bad. Not a bad way to be talking about Frank's uh, woes, or maybe lack thereof. It's hard to say. Um, so right. excited to dig in. Of course, before we get going, once again, like us on Facebook, Facebook.com/slash This House of Cards Podcast, and you can check us out on iTunes, This House of Cards Podcast. Rate us, review us, tell us you like us or don't. However you really feel, it doesn't, you know, we just appreciate your feedback. Without further ado, chapter 24. I wish I could hum the theme song to this one, because I think it would be a good transition. But anyway, it's a little bit more complex than my vocal range is capable of. So instead, we'll just (laughs) dig straight in. Reporters, uh, let me set the scene here. Reporters are swamping the Department of Justice after, uh, as you remember, Ayla Sayad's article broke at the end of last episode. Frank kind of... um, blew up everything you know he mm-hmm. every no everyone is at jeopardy at this point we don't know no one is safe um right including frank and claire um you know frank is being questioned about his relationship with lanigan they're trying to dig into the stuff about the super PACs and their relationship with thing potential money laundering uh claire <clears throat> of course in this episode too this is all in the intro claire's pushing trisha for um being involved in an article about the New York Times bill, but she doesn't want to be involved right now. Um, Walker and Frank are on, you know, everyone's kind of at their wits end a little bit at this point. You know, people aren't sure what's going to be. Um, right. Every, it's all under scrutiny. All of them are under scrutiny. Right. Right. Now. So they're, they're trying behavior. to, exactly. So they're trying to very well think through their steps. Um, and of course, 
Frank is continuing. We in this opening scene, it's mainly him getting grilled at the DOJ. Um, he's getting talk, you know they're asking him about Tusk and energy subsidies, the bridge, all this stuff. Basically, everything else that the season uh, has kind of played out up to here. Right. So I think I mean, tell me if you agree with this. I think it's fair to say that this is like uh, the the win, this final sprint, the last 100 yards of everything that this episode, this season has led up to. It's like we've begun the final descent into whatever Frank's grand plan has been all this time. Right. I, I would say also continuing with um, the sprinting uh, analogy there, this is it seems like it's Frank's final hurdle in a way because and, – and and the one where he appears to be most – The biggest horrible. one. Mm-hmm. Right. I Even think, though he created himself essentially. <laughs> exactly. Um, but he created yeah. it for everybody. So he knew this hurdle was right. coming and it would be big for everybody. Right. Now I want to begin by talking about our friend Doug Stamper. So oh, Doug. Doug here we see for the first time at an AA meeting. He's been having a really hard time. And I think we had made this analogy before. He relates being with Rachel to drinking. You know, you can't get enough, he says. She, and he also, I think is interesting, he says, she's my daughter, my mother. He says, she, he says that he, has, he even knows about that conflicted relationship. Not sure whether or not he's a father figure or that he is in love with he, her. Yeah, he's, he's confused about his feelings as well. He's super confused. So he decides that he wants to go cold turkey on her. Um, or at least that's what he says he's going to do. And a guy that even offers to be his sponsor for his addiction. Um, basically his creeper addiction. It's like stalking addiction. <laughs> uh, but Stamper tries to, you know, he, I think at this point in time, he's like late to a meeting and Frank gets pissed at him and stuff like that. So Stamper's really been falling behind. And, right. and I think, um, and Seth is stepping up. And Seth is stepping up. And Frank really gives him kind of a lecture about this. Um, well, he gave him a lecture at last episode. Does he give him a lecture this episode too? I think it was just the last episode I think was the one where he was basically saying like, you need to step up your game. It's not about you anymore. It's about the good of the, you know. I th- he does ask Stamper if he's been drinking again. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, Stamper has to kind of come to terms with, with what's going on. And he needs to get on the ball. So he apologizes to Seth. And they end up working together as teammates. Uh, do you think that Stamper was authentic in this apology, or do you think that he was just trying to please Frank? Good question. I think he... It, it seemed kind of uh, genuine to me. Like, he just he just needs to figure a way out of this while keeping his job and maintaining credibility with his boss. Um, I don't think he... I think this is, like, the, the smallest of his battles he's dealing with, so he's just going to handle this one in a mature way, be like, okay, Seth, let's just work together on this. I've mm-hmm. got bigger things I'm dealing with right now. Right, and he goes ahead and breaks his phone, deletes Rachel's contact, all that kind of stuff. So right. It's, almost as, it's yeah. almost as if, you know, all this kind of... His conflict with Seth was almost interconnected to his addiction to Rachel, you know? It was all these kind of, like, bad behavior, being kind of reckless. And, of course, that's what pulls Frank into the... Um, these meetings to begin with is that they've got Stamper on the security cameras too. So they're... Right, sitting there. <laughs> so once again, again, we don't know why he did that, but <laughs> well, he was he was being reckless basically. So it's kind of like yeah. now he's going to put all that behavior behind him. He so so he says, right. and um, he's going to change. Of course, uh, Hacker Gavin does notice that Stamper broke his phone. We're still not entirely sure what's up Gavin's sleeve. Uh, but he's just – I feel like they're just kind of leaving one scene one scene an episode with him hanging around now. Just so yeah. like you know that something big is coming up, that he's going to be involved in some, some right. big deal. 
I mean, he's got the keys to a big scandal, if uh, and, and or the keys to something that could take down Frank with uh, Rachel. Right. Well, and I was I mean, even though he doesn't know Rachel's at where Doug's going. No, but you see, okay, so just to, to lay it out there, we don't know, or at least I don't know what happens yet with Gavin, because even in the next episode, they show him a little bit more, but they still don't reveal what his particular um, plan is yet. So as right. far as theories go, it's got to be something along those lines. I have to think that maybe he knew about Rachel through um, uh, Lucas's story. Maybe Lucas, don't, I don't, oh. we, I, I don't think we saw it outright, but I, you, don't you think but Luke maybe may- he's- he but may have told, told Gavin, like, I tried to get, we tried to initially get this girl, Rachel, but that didn't work. So now, we, then we tried going after Christina, and then we couldn't get her. So now we're trying to hack to the VP. Hack the, exactly. Right. Well, maybe he was trying to, like, when they were trying to, like, get comfortable with each other, he filled them in on everything, is a theory. So, I mean, Gavin might know about Rachel and has information, whether he knows it or not, that could right. potentially bring, um, bring Frank down big time, but it would have to be someone who knows how to use it. So that still makes right. me wonder if we could see, um, as, as Donald Rumsfeld says, there are no knowns and there are known unknowns. And then there are <laughs> unknown knowns. I don't know if you've seen that Errol Morris's recent documentary. I've okay. seen clips yeah. from it. Yeah. Okay, yeah. <laughs> They're making fun of it on cinema TV shows. Yeah. <laughs> I think that that's, anyway. that's political speak. If you've ever heard it before. So, uh, um, yeah, <laughs> is it, a? Janice, is that who I'm thinking of? The the reporter that was friends with Lucas and... Uh, yes. So she, I, could, I could see her showing up somehow at the end here. Um, it'd be too bad if we don't see her character again. But she's the one who has that information on Rachel. And I think that Hacker Gavin might be aware of her. So we'll see if he ends up contacting her. But anyway, right. Stamper's Path ends this episode with him going to see Rachel. Here's Rachel and Lisa having sex... And watches them through the window and seems very supremely disappointed that, like, <laughs> she's a lesbian. Um, I don't know if he was going back to, like, say his goodbyes here or... I couldn't... I don't remember exactly that. I can't really... I, I remember just thinking he was maybe trying to make peace with it or something or end it or whatever. He, something. And it almost, it almost seemed like he was going to go back and, like, tell her you're free. And then he saw this and it almost, like, shocked him back into his addiction or something like that. Yeah, it was... Man, that was creepy. It was creepy. Poor dude. Uh, so Stamper, well, seems like he's trying to get back on the case, but major potential liability to Frank right now. Um, and I don't. Yeah. The problem is, I don't think Frank's aware of it because Stamper, we haven't heard tell Frank anything about Rachel in a long time. I don't think Frank knows how much he goes to see her or anything. I don't think so either. Yeah, I think you're right. So potential major liability. That's that's one of those holes that Seth maybe should have uh, tracked down for Frank because if Seth was trying to plug holes. Let's talk about another one of our friends who has a kind of a shorter storyline here as well, that being Remy. Remy seems to be going through a turbulent time in his life, too. Yeah. Um, you know, we see him at the beginning here kind of talking to Daniel Lanigan, and Lanigan is basically thinking he's going to be thrown under the bus by Tosca in this situation, and Remy's basically there to make sure he does nothing stupid and say, you know, if you toe the line here, we'll give you, we've got big things to promise you. You know, still basically mm-hmm. acting as Tusk's puppet. Although, as the episode continues, he really starts to battle with that. Especially when he goes to California and pretends to be hiring Jackie for a position at the firm, mainly to dig into background information on how she dealt with um, the former congressman, who, if we'll remember from the beginning of the season, uh, well, 
Well, you fill, you fill us in. Remember uh, what the big heinous act that Jackie did at the beginning to get the position. Right. Flip. Yeah, she she threw her mentor under the bus by talking about his illegitimate child. Who has uh, like, uh, leaking that information. Right, and who has a disability too. Right. And so it was right. like super controversial. And so she was pretty cutthroat about that. So he kind of understood yeah. that she was cutthroat. Information that could potentially, if it became public, hurt her in a very close campaign. Mm-hmm. So then he goes to meet Jackie and confronts her about the disabled daughter. Um, and ends up threatening her for Tusk. But he seems... Okay, so this is one of the questions I wanted to ask you. Is he seems... Yeah. I, is he reluctant? He... He's, he says he's basically, you know, they had a little bit of a falling out last episode, but it was mainly over this whole, you know, this whole conflict the whole time has been, is their relationship a business relationship or is it a um, a real relationship? And uh, right. she found out that he was basically partially behind the attack ads against her in California. Um, so they kind of stand up to each other and I don't know. We, I, it's hard to say. Who has? I think we discussed this last episode. Who really is in the right here? I mean, what's your call on on Remy and Jackie's relationship at this point? Well, they're like we said before too. They're both uh, they're puppets, kind of being played by their bosses. So neither really wins <laughs> in this situation. But I do ultimately feel that their feelings for each other are more romantic. Maybe it was a business thing and then a sexual thing, but I do think there are some uh, genuine emotions uh, for that relationship on both sides. Um, Remy is a tough dude, and he uh, he goes to the highest bidder, but he does seem to compartmentalize a lot of his work stuff when it comes to Jackie. In this situation, it's tougher. It's a little different because um, they're learning all this bad information about each other, but I do think that deep down they both actually like each other. I think you're right about that, too. I think that Jackie, I kind of feel from the beginning as if she had real feelings for him, because she really had no motive otherwise to be going after, you know, Remy. Whereas Remy, you could hypothetically say that he would have incentive to get in tight with her, you know. Um, And maybe it was initially a business decision, but I don't, you know, the more that as time goes on, I don't believe that. I think that he really does like her and that he was seriously conflicted. Like you said, he tries to compartmentalize and this was a point where they combine and he didn't know what to do with himself really. And that's Mm -hmm. kind of what leads him to think about no longer being with um, the organization anymore. So, I mean, as we remember, he then ends up sending Frank a watch, like a going away present, which basically... Signals that he's leaving. I think that was supposed to signal. If you, correct me if I'm wrong, it's supposed to signal that he's thinking of leaving uh, the firm that he's working at. Basically, stop working for Tusk. So then he meets with Frank, and basically they discuss a plan B. Um, Remy's saying, you know, I won't take you down if you promise me you can find me a job after I right. know, after all this blows over. So right. it's, it's not exactly like he's saying I'm going to let you go. But it's kind of basically saying, like, he's kind of a cocky way of I'll saying, like, I, I could bring you down if I wanted to. I'm not going to. Yeah. Um, doesn't the the watch has to do with, didn't Frank give him a watch or something like that? Frank gave him a going away watch when he left uh, right. as Frank's, you know, the position at Frank's. I'm not sure if he had Stamper's right. position or what. Um, but when he left the position at Frank's to go to the firm, Frank gave him a going away present. And, so maybe yeah. returning of the watch means he's coming back? 
Oh yeah, that makes sense. At first, the at first when I, this happened, I thought it was like a slight for some reason. Like he was sending the watch back because I think he says something about how the watch is crap earlier, and he has a much. <laughs> but then maybe yeah, then. that that makes more. No, I think what you're saying makes more sense. That it was a symbolic thing about how he's interested in maybe coming back to Frank's side. So you know, Stamper and Remy, we kind of have those two story like peripheral storylines. There's a lot of storylines obviously going on here because we're trying to tie up everything before the end. So now let's move on to Claire, who has a little bit more of a substantial storyline in this particular episode, um, especially as that relates to her bill. You know, she's moving forward with this uh, New York Times interview, even though Seth wants her to pull out. Uh, and she, the uh, Marine, Hennessy, who has had emotional problems up until now, has agreed yep. to participate in, you know, she's already going to be, uh, she's going to testify um, and, you know, on her way to meet Claire before she's about to testify, she goes through this crowd of really intense right-to-life protesters that are basically stationed outside of Frank and Claire's house. Right. I mean, Claire's getting a lot of flack for this bill. Yeah. Um, and Hennessy comes in, and they have a real heart-to-heart. And Claire says, you know, I knew that before when you weren't as solid that you felt like you couldn't handle this, but I really need you to be representative here. Um, you know, and she says, you know, why me? And Claire says, because you're the one who called. And I think we'll, t- we'll talk about this. This comes up in the next episode, but I think it's relevant yeah. here. Uh, okay. Why is Claire making Hennessy the face of the bill and not herself? Do you think? Um, I mean, I guess Megan is kind of the all American young person could be anyone's daughter or sister or, or child or or um uh, uh relative uh claire's a prominent figure and strong and overcame so much but megan has been debilitated by uh her situation perhaps mm-hmm. so that's a much better uh argument or story for why this is this bill should pass um also i think that claire could find another person to do this but she's so uh, tunnel vision on getting this bulldozing this bill through uh, which we've seen her get on these kicks where she just is focused on one task and she just pours everything into it and that's what's happening right now and annihilates everything in her way yeah absolutely exactly including Megan you know a little bit I was surprised the, the few episodes go when Megan was freaking out that Claire allowed her to not go in I was I was I when she pushed her up against the wall I thought she was going to slap her and be like knock it off you're going yeah, in there. Absolutely. <laughs> but anyway, so I, I think... Um, but she, Claire does know how to play people strategically. So perhaps uh, this time around, we see her uh, taking the uh, a different approach, but an approach that works to get Megan Hennessy uh, to do this interview. Do you think... Yeah. Is that why she picked Megan? I think that's a, I think that's probably the primary point. And I also think that, um, you know, Claire is... I don't want to say Ice Queen because that kind of it's that she mm-hmm. has no emotions at all. But I think she's so in control and so like stoic um, that maybe it, you know. And she's the vice president. In a lot of ways, she doesn't come across as maybe you know, despite what happened to her and despite the you know influence of her interview. I think that if she was to continue giving interviews, she's not the most sympathetic True. character because she doesn't seem broken at all by what happened. You know, like right. you said, Hennessy's kind of a mess, and I think that's part of what makes her a good voice for it is the effects it's had on her but despite what happened to claire she you know is a badass basically and 
she looks like she overcame what she went through even though she we've seen how she did it and she is tormented by it in a way but yeah she does seem successful whereas megan seems uh hindered by it and it puts her in the spot it would put her in the spotlight and thus put frank in the spotlight and when they're in a position where they don't want to be under that intense scrutiny you know Um, for that for that in that context right (laughs) they've got enough scrutiny already yeah that's maybe not the the kind of like they want on them right now so i think there's a yeah a a number of reasons but of course hennessy ends up getting talked into the interview and um after she starts talking about it and getting going she really seems to kind of shed any she she does a good job she does a really good job very competent yeah yeah um i don't know how i feel about her she still seemed very volatile but um, oh yeah totally but you know but understandably you know she's been through the shit right but she's also a little on edge don't you think and and it i don't know she does i think do you think oh she's totally on it i was gonna ask what you thought of how like do you think it was well acted or do you think that maybe it was overdone oh i think no there's mm, you'll i mean the final episode kind of handles well let's just continue with it there i mean there are reasons that i think it was acted just fine and it and it pertains to the story so yeah i agree um and of course we also see that she's on all these pills that she spills on the floor and that's kind of just i think it just kind of that's the biggest thing right just to kind of give us insight into like how um she's popping pills to be sane yeah uh just how on edge yeah exactly how um volatile she really is of course then claire herself drops a wine glass and meacham gets his hand cut in the process uh oh oh hey <laughs> uh and then she bandages him and insists on having a drink and you know at that point i had to admit that i was thinking is this going somewhere or is she gonna like this is, is she, flirty. Is she going to do some stuff with Meacham while Frank's at the office? I don't know that he would care that much, so why not if she has those feelings for him? Right. He uh, did want to go on her on her uh, uh, um, staff for the whole time after that bomb incident. Right, so there's a lot of implications that he wouldn't, mm-hmm. you know, that he has some interest potentially. Yep. So, so let's talk, we'll build up to, of course, the oh, boy. climax, so to speak, of this episode. <laughs> <clears throat> so, beginning with Frank here. Now, Frank, of course, the beginning of this episode is him spent in meetings. He finds <laughs> out that, I'm so uh, giddy. <laughs> we'll get there. We'll get there. <laughs> <laughs> Frank finds out that Birch has sold him out. Um, of course, you know, that was one of the Tusk's plan was to get Birch, Jackie, and uh, Terry. Um, what's the other guy? The guy that is from, like, Kansas City or something like that. Um the head of the African-American caucus. What's that guy's oh, name? Oh, yeah. Womack. Name. Terry Womack. Womack, okay. So Tusk's plan was to get those three to sell Frank out. And so far they got Birch. So Birch um, basically shows has indicated that Frank has, you know, been more involved in these China – or in these Japan – no, China, sorry, China talks than um, he had originally led on. So there's a lot of – I think it's it's such an exercise in, like, circumventing the truth – in these episodes with, you know, Tusk and Frank in the, uh, like, um, being interrogated, you know? Right. It really makes you depressed as to our real political, you know, our real politicians going on trial because you know that this is based on something real. Um, Yeah. I'd like to hear Kevin Spacey talk about what kind of interviews he watched to, like, prepare for this because I'm sure he was watching some real testimony. Um, 
But, you know, Frank realizes that he's kind of backpedaling and he needs to put some stuff together fast. Um, which seems to be the president. You know, the president's reeling too. Um, he's also dealing with, you know, the Japanese warboat situation still. Mosul, you know, they're mobilizing ships and all that stuff. Um, and the president's looking towards Frank to get the White House out of these investigations. You know, the president didn't know anything. He doesn't want to be involved. Right. Um, and, of course, this is actually making Frank nervous. And we see what, like, he's fidgeting with his ring and the president notices it. And I think he even says, you know, in a soliloquy after that, I'm tired of lying. I feel exposed like the part of my finger where my ring used to be. Mm. And I thought that was uh, obviously very symbolic. I don't know if that's like the whole reason they had him bury his ring and so that like it showed that he was vulnerable or something like that at this point. Um, but of course it goes to show that this he's not uh, cool as ice about this. He's on edge too. Uh, right. Even though he puts up a facade, so that way it's not quite as visible to everybody else. Um, so you know they start digging. You know, as we mentioned before, Stamper comes up in the casino surveillance. It's not entirely clear how you know who leaked that. Although I think we later find out it was Tusk, wasn't it Tusk or Remy or something like that leaked the casino footage. Remy, perhaps I forget, mm-hmm. but yeah. Anyway, um, they Stamper's going to have to step up and kind of take bite the bullet for Frank, which he, of course, volunteers to do because he's trying to get back in the good graces, and this is his job. This is what makes him Frank's number one man. This is what staffers are for, I think he even says at one point in time. Um, I think, and if at one point, Frank and Claire even have a very frank conversation <laughs> about, you know, what would happen if he goes to jail. So I think that the director and the writers here are really trying to show that it's a real pot. Like, Frank isn't, certain where things are going here you know right there's not a plan yet he realized what a roll of the dice it is and um claire can tell he's scared and this is not something we've seen a whole lot from frank so we've seen more vulnerability from him this season i would say than we've seen last season would you agree with that yeah 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 definitely especially this episode right now Mm -hmm. i mean we talked so much last season about him not being challenged enough do you feel like we've gotten an appropriate challenge for him no, I mean, this is the closest thing we've gotten to it, but it's still, I know he's going to come out on top of this, most likely. Mm-hmm. Well, exactly. I mean, there's got to be a next season unless it's him from jail, which I don't think yeah, it's going to be. Right, right. Um, it's, it's just going to mel- meld into Orange is the New Black somehow. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that'd be, that'd be a fun crossover. Um, Tasty would have none of that. <laughs> What's Frank doing at a woman's prison? Um, (laughs) So Frank essentially talks the president into giving his travel logs to uh, the attorney general because um, he is going to give the travel logs to, or not the attorney general, but the secretary or the attorney who's doing the investigation. He's going to turn in. He's going to turn in his travel logs to prove that um, he himself didn't go to China or meet up with thing anywhere right um but he seems and i think he mentions this to claire they have a plan there's a reason that they want walker to release his records as well and it's not entirely clear to us what that is i don't think I, at this point um well the only thing that i can think of is them going to uh counseling and i think oh they might mention that by the end i think of this episode okay. but uh, yeah so but you're right i think that that's um, 
because I think Frank even mentions to Walker, because Walker brings that up, and I think Frank mentions, oh, there's no reason they would look into that. They're only looking for major dealings with China. Right, right. Uh, but of course, Walker is very stressed, and we see him taking a pill at one point in time uh, when he's feeling stressed, and I think that that is uh, just something to remember for those of us who viewed next the next episode already. Um, <clears throat> so, and this is how this episode kind of ends. Frank comes home to a drunk Claire and Meacham. They together clean Meacham's wound in a very motherly, fatherly way. And I'm going to read to you my notes from when I was typing here. <clears throat> they clean his wound just like a mommy and daddy. Oh, God. What the hell is going on here? Oh, dear God. A three-way? This is a three-way, isn't it? Jesus Christ. Frank is kitchen- kissing Meacham. <laughs> Those are my notes. <laughs> That, okay, so way back, like, a couple episodes ago, we were talking about crazy stuff that was going to happen after Zoe got uh, ate it. I was like, okay, there's one thing coming up that's kind of crazy. <laughs> <laughs> kind of crazy. <laughs> so, um, yes. I have some notes on this as well because I, I've read a few things about it, and it may seem that it wasn't actually a threesome, but a twosome. Let me elaborate. Frank comes in. Set the scene. Frank comes in. Meacham and Claire are drunk. Claire is bandaging Meacham's hand. Frank walks over. Oh, let me see that. Oh, you poor guy. And and is, you know, spending, lingering on his hand a little too much. Meacham looks at Claire. Claire looks at Meacham. Meacham, or Claire walks over and holds both of their hands together. She kisses Meacham on Meacham's right. hand first, right? And then she uh, kisses No 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 she yeah, she she kisses Frank and Meacham kisses her on the neck uh-huh. and then she kisses both of their hands and then steps back. Like she's giving their blessing. Like or she's like given that? permission for this. And then in the morning she's like, How was last night? You needed that. Meaning maybe she wasn't involved. Because he's like, I slept like a baby. She doesn't know because she didn't stay in that room, did she? Mm. So Meacham mm. and Frank, they they did it. The, they had their own thing. She just gave her blessing and initiated it. She's a good man. Yeah, but it seems like she had an authentic interest. Well, maybe her interest was for Frank's part. But I, it still feels as if Meacham had an interest in her primarily. So... I don't know. I could see that. That's an interesting theory. Regardless of which of what happened, whether we're talking Frank and Meacham or Frank, Meacham, and Claire, my question for you is why? What is this? This seems like in the midst of all this hell that's breaking loose, this is like the final moment of the third to last episode. Right. Uh, and it, we've been like building to this for multiple episodes now. Yeah. What is What is the point here? What's going on? My thoughts were this is just like the, the like Meacham is now in the circle of trust 100%. Like he has already, you know, put his life on the line and defended them and knows a lot of their secrets already. And now this is like just completing that, that circle that he will be loyal to the end. That being said, this is, you know, House of Cards. So who knows if he'll end up being loyal to the end. But this t- to me says that Frank and Claire both trust Meacham wholeheartedly it does but it, it also seems like 
unless they're going to have Meacham like do something major for them in the final episode of this season that he needed to be fully in the circle of trust for. I'm trying to think of what the point of this would have been plot-wise to have this happen now and like when all this other shit is going down that, you know, is more important to the progress of the story. And it makes right. me think that maybe if this isn't resolved in the final episode, um, that we're setting up something in which case maybe season three mm-hmm. we worry about the potential scandal of Frank's bisexuality Scenario. yeah being yeah. exposed right and so maybe we're planting seeds for season three here is my thought because otherwise that 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 could be a good point yeah I think that's valid I don't know it's a, it's a, it is a, it's just a theory because I, it I does mean, seem like a little bit of one-off like a one-off storyline that really isn't pertaining to, to the the the, the direction this train is traveling. Well, and it further complica- complicates, you know, our idea of Claire and Frank's marriage, of course, and of those individual characters themselves. And I appreciate, you know, character development for the sake of character development. But in kind of this final sprint we were talking about, it seems odd that this would be in there when we have all the other storylines are about, like, what's going to happen in this finale. Right. That being said, you've always been asking for a sex scene with Frank and Claire, and you kind of got the hint of one, so... Did we? Did we? I don't know. You, you just kind of made the case. Like, ne- you made the case for maybe not. <laughs> we don't. Yeah. You made the case for maybe they. Uh, that wasn't what. Maybe happened. they don't. Well, maybe and maybe they don't. I mean, I mean, maybe they do occasionally, but we like she like Claire plays the like the dutiful uh, politician's wife in this situation really well. You know, like what does my husband need right now? Well, he needs to get his rocks off. So, um, and and I know he's at least bisexual, so uh, I'll let uh, Meacham handle this. But we know that he doesn't only get his rocks off to men because we saw him Zoe. power, you know, steamrolling Zoe last episode. Um, of course, that was a little bit of a power thing, I think. Yeah, that was a power like, thing. But still, I mean, you, you, I mean, I'm sure you have to be somewhat attracted to, to perform. <laughs> you think, you think. Anyway, wow. Uh, that was crazy. Hell, that was a crazy Woo. ending to episode chapter 24. Uh, Final Thoughts Center. Like, uh, <laughs> I, I did like the Home Alone thing. I was going like hands on the cheeks. What? <laughs> oh my God, this is crazy. No, 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 no. Ah! It was so cool. They just wanted to give us a shock moment. I think they did. They owed us one because a lot of the season's been kind of like, okay, China, okay, there's a bridge. No, well, we killed a bridge. We killed Zoe in the first episode, and then it's yeah. been yeah, a lot of build up. Right. So you're right. Um, I thought this was a very fun episode. Uh, we can see that we're we're traveling. I, I think I think it's fair to say at this point, um, Frank has been challenged. Uh, no doubt he'll get through it as he always does. But he, his eyes are also kind of, or his lasers are kind of locked on to uh, Walker, President Walker now. And we see the vulnerability that could change the uh, presidency uh, for Walker. Mm-hmm. Um, that being said, I don't really buy into the fact that that many people would care that the president and his wife are seeing um, a counselor. That's kind mm-hmm. of... I think today in this day and age, people are like, yep, well, I'm sure that job is a lot of pressure. That's good for them. They're spending time with themselves. And the whole bridge and China thing is still so abstract and 
just i don't know it doesn't have a ton of weight to it so even though they're going through this trial with in that trial but they're this investigation by the department of justice or whatnot um that part seems a little eh to me even though it's exciting and whoever's playing the lead investigator that uh, attorney or justice she's great she's really good she's yeah. doing a great job but i did like this episode so i will give this a four four out of five i would i'll give it a four as well i think that um we're setting up obviously what you know the, the final, final piece, the final pieces the um checkmate so to speak right uh, for one side or the other um we see the stamper being a potential vulnerability for the end. Um, right. We see Remy, Remy's relationship and Remy and Jackie's relationship being a vulnerability. Uh, and then we got this bizarre, crazy moment with Frank and Meacham. So, um, I did want to also point out one thing I just realized before you give your rating. Sorry. I wrote, I did write notes down. <laughs> um, so Meacham and Claire and Frank, when Claire kind of steps back and watches her husband and um, Meacham kiss. Uh, kind of a little bit of a parallel there with Doug Stamper uh, staring through the window looking at Rachel and her new girlfriend kiss. Oh, that's so, an excellent point. And that, that's... that's a little interesting there. Yeah. Um, and the question I have for you before we before you give your thing is, do you think the Meacham-Frank uh, thing will continue? I think that... I don't know about sexually. Maybe now that Frank has finally found someone who's a safe person to do that with, I do think that they'll continue like treating him like a son, kind of. Which um, is as weird confusing. as that seems. Yeah, just like Stamper and Rachel. It's so confusing for you. There's a lot of exactly. There's a lot of confused sexual mommy, daddy, daughter, son <laughs> relationships yeah. going on. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. It totally okay, that was confuses, <laughs> you know, Oedipal and Electric Complexes and stuff like that. It's very messy. Um, so you gave it a four also. I gave it a four also. So eight out of ten. Um, man, and without further ado, uh, let's go ahead and um, dive into chapter 25. You cool with that? All right. Let's do it. Okay, everyone. 25, here we go. So this episode starts out with, uh, and the attorney is now interrogating the president's religious counselor about his appointments. And, um, of course, that's where we kind of, the cliffhanger of last episode was the Department of Justice had found the breadcrumbs to the uh, counseling appointments that Frank had kind of convinced the president would be insignificant, of little value, because they had nothing related to China. But they found this connection, and um, they're, well, they found the counselor, at least, and they're trying to interrogate him about, you know, Fang and money laundering, and he insists that he knows nothing about this, which I think it's fair to say he doesn't. I don't know why president he did, the president didn't know like legitimately didn't know anything about that, and so there's no reason why he would know anything about this. Right. So at this point, we're kind of thinking, oh, the president's safe in this regard. Now Frank meets the president in the Oval Office here, um, and the president is kind of tricky here because he doesn't straight out say he's angry. He kind of comes at Frank with a like I'm with a hook and he you know he's talking about Floyd Mayweather having been in the office because they had the uh, the punching bag punching bag back in the Oval Office and he said you know Floyd told me he's not the strongest but he's the trickiest and he basically says that you're the same way and you set me up and you knew they'd find these and that he said and the president says to Frank now I know your moves and I don't want your counsel anymore I don't want you to be around me anymore I want you as far away as possible yeah. and so you know Frank leaves and says you know 
I've successfully isolated the president from everyone, including, including. me. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So and then we, of course, burst into the credits. At this point, oh, the president should have really just like told Frank, "I'll do whatever you want." <laughs> like, <laughs> just don't. You know, I've seen you do. You know, take down literally everyone in your path. Mm-hmm. I don't have anyone on my side anymore. What can I do to appease you? But he doesn't make that decision. He decides he's going to fight. I don't know. Do you think that this was a... Were you impressed by the president's standing up to Frank at this point? Or do you think that... I I was hoping when the president said this that he had a few tricks up his sleeve or in his bag where he could come at Frank and he could put up a good fight at least. But... As we've seen, President Walker is really boring. So <laughs> it was somewhat doubtful. I hoped he would surprise us. So. Well, well, Walker's really just been a puppet of everyone else, you know. Too. Yeah, he was he's a puppet such of a dud. Frank and Tusk. He can't think for yep. himself. He's even trying to channel dead presidents and like looking yeah. at their paintings and stuff like that. Yeah, <laughs> he, doesn't, he doesn't know what the hell he's doing. So we kind of see, obviously, the beginning of the crumbling of President Walker. Yep. Yep. The, uh, the, the, go ahead. Set. It's yeah. the, the the plan's in motion. Well, the plan is in motion, but the crumbling has begun. Right. Um, of course, we get our little taste once again of Hacker Gavin here. Um, he's, threatening, he's threatening the FBI by hacking the AT and T mainframe. Wants to meet with, I think it's Agent Green. Is that right? I forget. Uh, so he meets with that agent, and you know, says he has something important to tell him, which we obviously. Must be the tracking on Stamper, so he must know about Rachel, I guess. Uh, but it, although it's still not outright said, right? Um, he knows Stamper's been going to one place over and over, right? But the way he convinces the FBI agent or of you know going along with him is telling him that you know I am a pretty good hacker. Look, I hacked your wife's phone to know about her lover, the dentist, ah. or, or chi- the chiropractor, where she's at right now. <laughs> So, Hacker Gavin pulling the sweet hacking moves again. He's been kind of an entertaining character. They've made him kind of He's great. larger than life a little bit, but yeah, in a somewhat believable way. I think he's kind of getting set up to be possibly someone who, like, well, actually, obviously, it's someone who could inevitably take uh, uh, Frank down if he plays his cards right. Mm-hmm. Do you think he's supposed to represent like anonymous? You know, and they're kind of uh, vigilante yeah. justice, right? Well, I, I think I think he's supposed to be like maybe a little bit of that, but and a little bit of Edward Snowden type thing, where you know he's not a traditional journalist, but he has his ways of disseminating information that's important for public knowledge. Mm-hmm. A little, however, Julian illegal Assange, it may be. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Julian Assange, exactly. So, and, and as we know, the the show does not like their journalists, so they make them to all be pretty stupid. So. Although we have liked, let's say we have liked Isla Sayad and Janine. And and Isla, yeah. Janine, she chickened out and, uh, you know, rightfully probably so. And then uh, Isla is good, but then I don't know. Like this, like Frank easily gets her off his case and puts puts her on to uh, the president. So, well, the president's just bigger meat. You know, she may come back for him. We'll see, but. You're right. He does kind of shrug her off too easy, but I mean, as a journalist, you have to think that, like, you know, taking down the vice president versus taking down the president. Well, right, yeah. 
Yeah. Anyway, okay, sorry. So Stamper, um, I want to talk about again real quickly. And this is just kind of him. Last episode, we kind of see him maybe making a stand, but then he just completely crumples. Um, he waits outside. It looks like he, like, uh, at the grocery store, he, like, screwed up something in Lisa's car. So that way she had to get a <laughs> jump that he could then I... provide. Uh, this is just, like nuts this this was like crazy stamper at this point it was like i thought you were gonna come back and be there for frank but now you've totally fallen off the bandwagon maybe because he saw them through the window i guess that was yeah he i think that that set him off yeah but i he comes back and pretends to be peter um and like obviously is like a method of intimidating rachel and then when lisa walks out of the room insists that lisa has to leave without a good reason Um, just kind of a huge dick and then, of course, we see the scene later where Rachel breaks up with her, and it's like it's really heartbreaking. You feel really bad for Rachel, and now Rachel has a, a stupid stamper has really like set up Rachel to maybe get to the point where she would confess everything and put Frank in a compromising position. So yeah, stamper I, has. I agree. Yeah, and especially with Gavin knowing she's there now, stamper has been a major. I don't know a major. A pole, like we said in, in Frank's thing. And, you know, it might end up being that Stamper takes the fall for everything here. Maybe they end up pinning Russo's death on Stamper. Ooh, poor guy. Uh, but this, I think, ends with him listening to Tale of Two Cities, an audiobook. I wish I'd read Tale of Two Cities recently because I don't know the significance of this. I'm trying um, to think. I, I love that book, though. That's my favorite Dickens. I'm a great expectations fan. Hmm. But I don't, yeah. So I, I'm trying to see how it pertains to this, his Stamper story, though, yeah. Well, I'm, I'm going to have to go read some Spark Notes before uh, the finale, so that way we can try to draw oh, okay. if, it, <laughs> if he ends up. Because uh, I'm sure that uh, his actions this season have to have some significance in the finale. Yeah. Um, it was the best of times, it was the worst of times. And I think that pretty much sums up this That's, civil there war it is. we've seen. That's what, it, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, <clears throat> so let's talk about Frank, Jackie, and Claire, and Walker, and pretty much the yeah you know primary storyline in this penultimate episode. So Jackie's pissed when she reads uh, Marine Hennessy's feature in the New York Times, in which Hennessy lashes out at Jackie basically and calls her kind of a. You know, someone who toes the line, toes the line, and wants to retain the status quo, and isn't standing up for women's rights and all this stuff, which Jackie takes some offense to. Right. Um, of course, she realizes it's Claire's voice, not really Hennessy's voice, and so she wants to take Claire down. Um, so Hennessy goes on Chris Hayes' show on MSNBC, and we see Jackie calls into the show live oh, while Hennessy's on there. Totally takes Hennessy by surprise, and. Um, Basically calls Claire disgraceful on national TV. So it really makes this a very public battle. Yeah, it does. Yeah. Um, We see Claire watching and calculating. She doesn't seem like... She she seems like she's trying to figure out her next move. Right. um, Savvy political move by Jackie. Because I think we could... That was ballsy. It was. And I think we might even be able to say that Jackie won this round. Uh, Before we go into that, though, let's keep in mind that Claire... Right before this was on the phone with Trisha, the first lady. And she's trying to convince her to help heal the relationship between the president and Frank. Now, I don't even know 
that Claire, that's really her goal here, as much as just to just try to eke out information. Um, but she's, you know, Trisha's going to stay on her husband's team, and they're discussing whether or not the counselor, you know, they need to leak the, should, you know, Trisha's medication that she's been prescribed, but is also, Walker's also taking, if it right. should leak to the press, what kind of reaction there would be. Right. Now, do you think that Claire was at all really interested in healing the relationship, or is she just doing reconnaissance? Oh, yeah, she's just doing recon. There's mm-hmm. no way that, I mean, she, does, she doesn't have two feelings uh, for, I was going to say, two poops <laughs> of feelings <laughs> for uh, for either of the of the president or the first lady. She's just doing her job to get the information to feed to Frank or to use against them. It's been a setup all season. Yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. And also, here, do you think America would really get that upset if the president uh, or if the president's wife was on Xanax or whatever she's on? No. 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 That, so, this is the problem I have with this, this show sometimes. Like, all these things are, like, felt so passionately in Washington, yet we don't have the context about how anyone outside of out of Washington's feeling, with the ex- exception of the journalists occasionally they give you that viewpoint, but otherwise... All the all we, I mean, everything is so big and such a huge deal, like like this, uh, like these counseling meetings and this prescription, and yet in regular America, I think most people would be like, you know, maybe people might be upset about it, the the the, you know, but it's not going to be a polarizing. We need to get Jackie out there and get the votes to get him out of here or whatever. Exactly. You know. <laughs> no, I agree. I think that I think that there being this is. Uh... A little bit tenuous, but let's build up to it, and then we'll talk. Yeah, sorry. Let's yeah, talk yeah. No, 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 it's okay. So Claire <laughs> and Jackie meet one on one after this whole attack, and Claire basically um, tries to heal the relationship instead of coming at the offensive, which I think is what Jackie's expecting. Claire says, "You know what? You're right. I should have yeah. tried to make a deal with you from the beginning." Um, and Jackie's very suspicious, of course, of this. Rightfully so. Smart and of course, girl. At the end of this, we find out why. At the end of this episode. Mm-hmm. Now, that's when, of course, Claire tells Patricia that she's withdrawing the bill um, because of Jackie, and they're, they're going to rework together. Um, and Trisha's kind of thrown off by this, but they, at this point, she tells Claire that they're going to have to waive the privilege, and you know, because the council's yeah. been interrogated or whatever. Right. Um, and even at this point, I was thinking, is this, is this whole thing with Jackie and the bill, is this a tool to uh, use against the president? Was this at, at some point? And I let me come back to this as we get to okay. the end of this episode. Um, so Claire, of course, then tells Hennessy about changing the bill. Hennessy gets pretty angry at Claire because um, Claire says some like bullshit line, like there were political realities we couldn't ignore. Um, yeah, it's such a politician line, and yeah, and it is complete BS. And so yeah. I was thinking that was the end of Hennessy, but um, sounds like maybe she does have some kind of nuts role that she she comes back. I mean, she is, as we know, unstable. Between her and Rachel and Cacker Gavin, we have a team of people that have information. I don't know infor- information and also put- like motive, motive, and motive. You know, yeah, right. To bring down the Underwoods. Of course, in the meantime, Frank is meeting with Secretary Durant, and mm-hmm. um, oh, Kathy, and he wants her to basically um, 
what basically don't they come up with some sort of deal to bring Feng in? Isn't that the case? She... They want to, yeah, they want to give him asylum. The president said no, and then so he goes to Kathy Durant. Right, and he wants Durant to bring Feng in for asylum, so that way basically it puts more pressure on Walker. So right. we know by now that Frank is full offensive on Walker. Obviously, I yeah, think that that's not. Um, that's no longer something that's only like being implied. This is very obvious. Um, now, Frank also hints at other motivations with Durant. And it, tell me if you think the same thing. He's hinting that maybe she could be his vice presidential candidate when he's running for president in the next election. I, I think that's exactly what was happening. She, he was, yeah, he was definitely dropping some hints there that he will take her with him if anything happens with the president because he's making poor choices right now or something. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. And I think they were both basically, and I'm surprised that Durant went along with that so well. But well, he got her into know, that I spot. That so she, maybe she's as much of a shark as any of them. So of course, Feng does get asylum, and um, they bring him to the U.S. to testify and want him to confirm the consistent or the existence of the money laundering scheme, which he does. Right. right. And that means that you know Tusk gets a subpoena. Mm-hmm. Um, he's meeting with all his lawyers and. Uh, all white dudes. <laughs> He's got like eight of them in the office together in that little <laughs> surprisingly small office with like not that many windows. Yeah. Him, considering that he's like this crazy CEO. Billionaire guy. Um, but he's going to have to testify now. Yep. Now, you know, the president via his lawyer is of course then accusing Frank of putting the pressure on Durant and all this different stuff. And, uh, it essentially puts pressure on the president to thus waive the spiritual confidentiality agreement they have with this counselor to prove that he has nothing to do with the money laundering. Right. So, now let's see. The president insists that they have to waive the privilege. Um, This is a very intimate conversation we see him and Trisha having, which I think is the first where they seem to be completely on the same side and trying to figure out how to handle handle weather this storm. And they really just seem like two victims there. Like, man, we've just, the two of us have just been the puppets of everybody else this entire time. They're fools. Um, But they worry about Claire potentially having leaked the prescription medication because now it's all come out that Trisha's like bled her heart out to Claire on a number of occasions. And he's like, what were you doing? (laughs) But Trisha says, we have to protect our marriage. We have to waive everything and prove that there's nothing to hide or whatever. Um, So President says he'll do whatever it takes. He doesn't make it clear what it is. But of course, what it is is that they... Or no, she says... Let me. Sorry, I got that wrong. Trisha does not want to waive the privilege because she doesn't want their marital troubles to become in the public Public knowledge. But he does want to waive the privilege to prove that he has nothing to do... With, with China's the money laundering. laundering, yeah. Right, so he goes against his wife, and he does waive privilege. Um, and, of course, they coach the counselor to direct the convo away from any medication. Right. Um, surprisingly, now, um, so let's see. Everyone has been, even Durant now has been isolated from the president. He's in the situation room trying to handle these still, he's still trying to handle the boat's Shredding Japan, the Chinese boats. Um, in response to Feng being given asylum, China's doubling their presence around Japan. So this has also made it worse for Japan. Yeah. <laughs> the international reverberations of Frank's plan here are just like exploding everywhere. Uh, and this is why I, th- I think this is where I said there really seems like they're gunning to be president, vice president. Now they like have made a joint pact to try to take the president down. I think it's fair to say at this point. 
Um, and we see the counselor getting interrogated by the attorney and asked about the medical prescriptions and asked if he was coached, which ends up being the bigger deal. That, it's, not yeah. that he, it's not that he was hiding the medications, which, like you said, might not have been – like it would have been – It wouldn't have taken him down. It would be forgivable. Right. It would have been a big deal, but it wouldn't have been grounds for impeachment necessarily. But having right. coached the witness is big yeah. time. And so that was kind of a stu- – and that wasn't even something that really – Frank engineered. It was Walker's one who said, you know, that we need to direct the conversation away. It was also kind of a poor decision by the by Walker's attorney, I would say, then to coach him like, yeah, in such a scripted way to talk around the medication question. Right now, do they imply how the attorney, why the attorney's asking about the medication at any point in time? Is she given this hint by somebody? Because it seems like out of nowhere, she's you know asking these questions about China, and then she all of a sudden says, "Was he on any medication?" This has to do with his brain functionality at the time, but. It didn't seem like this would be the logical progression. So I was wondering um, if... I, I don't think anyone gave her that. I think that was just part of the investigation that they maybe found out. I, I Yeah. I, I it, it did seem a little weird the way it happened. I just kind of, I think, assumed it moved that quickly based just be, for storytelling's sake. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, that's probably true. You know, they're, they're probably asked a ton of questions and we, of course, just got right. a snippet, which is relevant. Exactly. Yeah. Um, in the midst of all this, uh, Seth is sent to talk to Tusk and basically reveal that Remy was talking with Frank just to get Remy fired. Um, so, so it seems as if Frank has no real intention of putting, at least for now, having Remy on his side. He's still pissed at Remy's, well, he's probably pissed at Remy's involvement and in kind of crushing Freddie. And, in the Adam Claire scandal. Yeah. Oh. So Remy should have thought that through more. Um, yeah. He knows what kind of guy Frank is. Frank is very vindictive. Remy's um, in he, love right now, though, man. Which is what we <laughs> said before. It's clouding yeah. his judgment. Yeah, it is. Now, of course, in the meantime, Frank is watching on the news as the president's marriage counseling is revealed, as well as his testimony tampering. And we see the GOP Senate leaders, and of course this is that uh, Tea Party guy and the Republican head of the Senate, right. discussing potential impeachment. Um, and this is where I asked, was this Frank's plan all along? And this is a big question I had for you. Is, mm-hmm. was all, because there's so many complex pieces. Was this his plan all along, or was he just kind of like on a breakneck pace, and then he just kind of threw this crap together at the last moment? Um, are you, I mean, we knew he was out to get the president for a while, but I... Right. Was this was this the way he planned to do it, or do you think that he was waiting for an opportunity and this just happened to be the one that presented itself? I think uh, I think like you said, like ultimately his goal was to get the president out of office. Um, now, should it be the president finish his term up and Frank run the following uh, uh, election, or should it uh, manifest as a poss- as a as the potential to get? the president impeached that was up in the air um so i think the events that led to up to now helped frank uh uh, um quicken his uh uh plan because of the china thing and so he everything fell into place that would make this happen a lot quicker than it would uh if he had been able to plan something uh, or orchestrate something long term. So he got lucky with a lot of breaks, obviously, as Frank Underwood does. The impeachment may not have been the actual goal, but it, the goal the goal is to get the president out of office so Frank could have it at in any form, right? Mm-hmm. 
I think that's absolutely true. And here's a political question I have for you because I um, can't for the life of me remember. In the case of an impeachment, is does the president does the vice president be, then become the president automatically, or is there some kind of um, yeah other process? The, the the vice president becomes the president. Okay. But so I don't Frank, remember if there's another if there if there's an election or he gets to pick his vice president or 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 you know. But I believe the vice president finishes out the term. If well, you can be impeached, but you don't you don't necessarily get kicked out of office because remember Clinton was impeached. I thought he was not impeached. He was just on trial for impeachment. He didn't get both. He wasn't impeached. He didn't by get both. The both House that's and the right. Senate. He was. That's right. He was impeached by one of them, right? I think one of them, but not the other one. Wouldn't yeah. have been, it would have been the House, right? Right. But not the Senate, because under Gingrich, I'm trying to remember. I don't remember all the details of this exactly. I know. I, I think... I'm old enough that I should know this. <laughs> um, yeah, the House The house impeached him. Yeah. Okay. Um, so that's why he wasn't. He didn't have to leave office. Right. Um, right. And I guess he we was... don't even know in the case of Nixon, because he, wasn't, didn't, he, he, he resigned, resigned before, before he was impeached. Yeah. But his vice president then took over in the case of a resignation. Right. Right? So, anyway. Um, I guess we'll see if it comes down to that. But, man, uh, intense stuff, obviously. Um, I never expected impeachment. I thought Frank's plan was just to make the president not be in a position to run next term. I never thought anything as immediate as a impeachment yeah. just because it didn't seem as if Walker was – I mean, he was just kind of such an oaf that it didn't seem like he was smart enough to be really involved in everything. I hate to make the comparison, um, but I'm going Scandal. to. Oh. <laughs> no, I was going to say the same way people talk about how with George W. Bush that it was really Dick Cheney and Karl Rove and all these people it, kind of behind the scenes that were really running everything and that he was uh, – people say that in a lot of ways Bush was just a pawn and it kind of seems like Not obviously the that's the case in this situation. Yeah. Now, Frank then does an interview with Sayad and um, – you know, he he defends the president strategically. And this of is where course. you were saying he kind of plays Syed. And he yeah. says, you know, he believes the media will crucify the president, but he is going to give a heartfelt defense of Walker. Um, and then, of course, the article circulates that the vice president comes to the president's defense. What was the point of him doing that? Yeah, I because, think he needed to show loyalty. Because then, obviously, he, um, in a minute, tells Jackie that that was all BS. But Yeah, he says, Jackie, go whip the votes and get this guy out. Well, so then the president and Trisha give their press conference about their marriage, uh, making the case that everyone makes mistakes and needs to ask for help, which is exactly what you and I were saying. Like that People would eat that up. They would love that. <laughs> yeah. That in itself is not grounds for impeachment, but I think the tampering is where it comes in. But there's got to be some other factor. Um, yeah. Maybe it'll be – maybe something more with the Tusk relationship will come up. Of course, we do see Tusk testify during this whole thing, and it, he um, does plead the fifth. So, Right. It just—I don't know. Like, I, the, we're missing the public opinion here. I mean, I, I forget if they even reference polls. Poll I don't numbers. think so. Yeah, I don't, that, not even that, I can that would help. <laughs> you know, I agree. Just because, again, it, you know, Clinton got impeached because obviously people people were pissed off because he cheated on his wife, and it was and he lied. really and he graphic, lied about it. and he yeah. lied about it. But the, you know, see, seeking counsel with your wife is. I mean, I, the, 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 it's the opposite. The it's the opposite yeah. of it. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's actually really endearing and heartwarming. Yeah, but and and the, the the witness thing. I mean, they could get a scapegoat for that if need be. They could have the lawyer 
do that and the president be like i didn't know about that at all i don't know but anyway again we're missing the context of public opinion here and that would be very valuable otherwise it just seems a little ridiculous i agree um and so of course the final scene of this episode is jackie comes to meet with frank and claire and basically they say to her that they want jackie's help to impeach the president they want to put her to be the one to publicly deride the president right. um to whip the votes against him now frank makes the case that if they don't um do this and separate from the president then they're going to lose 50 seats in the house because right the president's going to drag everyone else down basically um and you know she says something along the lines of it what you're asking is just shy of treason and then i think frank says just shy isn't that what politics are and yeah so, like, was, <laughs> i love that oh, and I, I mean, there's a couple things that happen in this first of all i think it's fair to say that claire bargained off basically they decided that the giving up claire's bill was a sacrifice in order to get jackie on their side because they needed her to take down the president yeah so that was a concession that claire had to make um for the greater good but when she's the first lady maybe she'll have more uh power to put that in place also i want to say that i think that jackie bumps into frank's civil war models and says something about like Oh, how long have you been taking to put this together? And Frank says something like, "Oh, a very long time." And you can't—it's like kind of vague whether he's talking about the Civil War thing or about the actual Civil War happening within the right. office between him and the president. Um, right. Which I thought was good symbolism because then it kind of harkens back to this whole—you think about the Civil War as a whole motif for this season, and I can't believe we never thought of this before—that Frank was really kind of arranging a guerrilla Civil War insurrection the entire time yeah yeah within his own yeah. party and with him and the president totally and so the final question i have in all caps is will she do it will she do it and um you know i guess i do uh, know god do you think, I think she will i think she will i think she'll do it um i think she doesn't have a good reason not to do it because frank if if that really is the case that sticking with the president will lose 50 seats then it doesn't matter if you know she thinks she's doing the right thing because the Republicans will then have both, and obvious. I mean, ultimately, she won't even have a voice anymore. And I don't think that she's that chivalrous. You know, we saw that back with in the very beginning where she had right. to throw um, that guy under the bus. With, yeah, with his leaking the thing about his daughter. I don't think she's that chivalrous. I think that she'll realize that the president needs to go and maybe she'll even question herself the president's capacity to lead which frankly i question the president's capacity to lead because he's so easily manipulated by everybody else <laughs> i agree i agree so i absolutely agree with your points though about the public not being involved in that like i don't know if this is really grounds for impeachment i feel like they're yeah. like <laughs> i feel like maybe i wonder if they would considered doing the whole thing with like christina and um the president having an affair and that was like maybe one direction they were thinking of going and that's why they kind of made that an issue earlier on they're yeah. like no that's too that's too clinton that's too close yeah but that's that too would have scandal. been but that would have been more like like more likely grounds for impeachment i think yeah um so i don't know i don't know what do you think um i well i have a question for you do you think um do you think we will see a President Underwood by the end of the season. In the final episode. I don't think we will see him as President. I think we may see there an absence of President. 
um, with a, you know not really certain what's to come. Right. I don't. Oh, it's hard for me to think to believe that Frank is going to. We're going to end season two with him in that position. Finally, I think there's going to be some some struggle still left for him. Right. Though I'm not entirely sure what that is. Oh, I'm so excited for you to watch the final episode. Oh, I know. It'll be fun to talk about. Okay, so final grade for this episode. Mm. I'll, I'll do mine first. I'm going to give it a yeah. three and a half, I think. Um, okay. Just because, like, I like a lot of the pieces coming together, but like we said, I don't know about those grounds for impeachment. That doesn't seem fully believable. Hold on real quick. I need to get my charger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No problem. Tyler is now getting his charger, plugging his computer in, and he's about to put his headphones on. Sorry about that. I didn't want this uh, recording to end up getting cut off and my computer dying after we've talked for an hour and a that would suck big time. Okay, anyway, continue. And we're back. Um, I give it a three and a half as well. We're on the same page tonight, I guess. Yeah. Eight for 24, and I think we gave episode 25. That would be a seven. So, holy crap, people. We are, we've are we made it finally. Um, yeah. I'm sure you're all aching for me to finally watch the episode so we can talk about it. <laughs> Uh, we've really, like I said, milked this uh, for all it's worth. So I'm psyched to talk about the final episode. And once again, thank you for joining us. Um, Frank, anything ever... Frank, Frank. <laughs> oh my god, we should get drunk for the last uh, episode. That'd be funny. We haven't probably, that in a while. That's probably a good idea. <laughs> Chris, is there anything you want to say about the, you know, that we should be have in mind going into the final episode before it happens? Or are we just, hmm. just get ready for it? Um, you know, I, yeah, I don't want to say anything cause I don't want to hint at what's going to happen, but yeah, just check it out and, and, uh, things happen. How about that? Things happen. Things happen. Are they going to happen like we expect? There's got to be some twist yeah. left. And I will say I am excited for season three and what, what they're going to do with it. Hmm. I still think that Stamper might take the fall for everybody. He, we might lose. I'm worried about us losing Stamper somehow. Yeah. Well, it, crazy shit does happen in the finale. Good. Well, I'd expect that's good because I think we felt like last in the last season, the finale felt like a cliffhanger, and episode one of the season felt like a finale. A finale. So I'm glad exactly. That, so, so, so you're saying this next episode at least feels like a finale. It feels like a finale, but there are some, there are cliffhangers, but uh, well, not not as as there should as there should be for any good yeah. show going into it next right. season. There's resolution in some storylines, and then there's cliffhangers in some others. Fair enough. Fair enough. All right. Well, thank you everybody for joining us once again. It's always super fun to talk about uh, House of Cards. Chris, where can people find uh, more of your work this week? Twitter and Instagram at Chris Husted. What about you, Tyler? Same for me at TJ Moss Eleven. All right, everybody, check us out on Facebook and iTunes. This House of Cards podcast. And without further ado, we'll get back to you soon with the final episode of this season, House of Cards. <laughs> <laughs> Climax 
Keeps raining down. Ooh. 